and welcome to the Owners and Operations Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Andrews, a generational accounting firm owner rebelling against all the rules of the traditional accounting firm. My husband, Jake, and I transformed our accounting firm so that we no longer work overtime, even during tax season, without losing a dime of revenue. Now, we teach other accountants exactly how we did it and what we continue to learn about business ownership and life along the way. We want to educate and empower firm owners to make changes that will give them back their time to enjoy their lives and strategies to grow their profits. We record all of our sessions live in our private Facebook group. So head on over to the show notes to join the group and to join in on our discussions. Everyone, I'm Erin Andrews. We have uh, owners and operations, and we have Katie Farrow here today with Orderly uh, Accounting by Katie. And she also has her own podcast, Profits and Prosecco. Why don't you just yes. say hi and tell us a little about yourself? Hello. Yes, so I'm Katie Farrow. I am a licensed CPA, but I don't do taxes anymore. Uh, I am a mom of three little ones who are getting bigger every minute. So my baby is about to be three. Uh, My middle daughter just turned five and my son is six and a half. And uh, I guess time's getting away from me. Uh, When I was pregnant with my third daughter, Mm -hmm. who's now about to be three, I just knew things needed um, to change. I had actually been pursuing passive income, very actively pursuing passive income (laughs) for a couple of years while I was at home with my older two, who at the time were um, about two and about three and a half. I left corporate in a very strange, uh, fateful twist of events where I got in a car accident, pregnant with my first son and was wondering like, how am I going to do this? How am Mm -hmm. I going to drive and commute an hour plus each way and actually raise a family, right? I was trying Mm -hmm. to suppress those kind of thoughts until I got in that accident at 20 weeks pregnant, my first pregnancy. Um, and really started questioning how these two things I knew I needed, I knew I wanted to do my whole life, be a mom mm-hmm. and have a successful career. Like how were those things ever going to align? I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Um, the very next day after that car accident, my, uh, company, which was a big multi-billion dollar company that I had just worked my way up to manager at, I had just completed the CPA mm-hmm. exam about a year, year and a half before that I was a 29 year old corporate tax manager, 20 weeks pregnant, got in the car accident the day before. And then they announced this package where like they would buy you out um, of being an employee, basically. They were gearing up for a sale. And so I could get a bonus and a 12-week severance and stay on their time. And I did that. And the timing just aligned like perfectly to where I was out of corporate a month before my son was born. So I I, kind of sidebarred to to go why I was home, you know, after this whole like, working up the corporate ladder and checking all the educational boxes and stuff like that. Um, But then I just couldn't ignore that sign that Mm -hmm. between the car accident and the payout, I was meant to leave. Right. So I did that motherhood for a couple of years. I had a few clients who had just come to me. I didn't want to grow beyond that because I didn't Mm -hmm. want to give up my, my stay at home mom thing. Then Mm -hmm. I was actively pursuing passive income for a while during like nap time stuff. And then while pregnant with my third in a four year span, I was like, (laughs) you know, I wanted to do more, I guess I wanted to continue building something on my own and make sure that I could stay out of corporate for good. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it was then that I just realized that like bookkeeping, which is what I was doing on a very small scale could be scalable if I just got some help. So yep. in that summer, I got intentional about growing my my bookkeeping business. And I went from um, like five clients 
And I, I went to 18. So I, I signed um, like 13 clients in a three month period. And I made three new, very part-time hires to help me with maternity leave. Okay. Um, so I grew the, the bookkeeping business. Then I started uh, mentoring accountants okay. and uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. That's awesome. That's, I mean, I agree. I would see the signs too. I'm just like yeah. a very much, I'm not like a very like, I don't know. I don't know. I would say like hokey sign person, but yes, I would have seen, I would have seen that too. That's yeah. Um, like the writing was on the back of the absolutely. car in front of me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's <laughs> right. terrifying too, especially your first pregnancy yes. where you're like, oh my God, what did I, you know, what happened? So well, it was just one of those like reality moments where, and it was a four car accident and I'm not trying to be dramatic because we were going slow on the highway, okay. but I was the third car in a four car accident. So mm. this van that wasn't a new van, but it was new to me. 10 days earlier, I drove it off the lot, my minivan that I'm going to like race my family in, and it is smashed <laughs> in the front and back. And oh, no. um, I was just rattled. I was okay. I went and got the ultrasound and everything, but I was mm-hmm. sobbing and I'm like not much of a crier. And I was mm-hmm. hysterical in the van because I was having that, like, how am I going to do this moment? Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was really suppressing that feeling. I was feeling it, but I wasn't saying it. I wasn't addressing it. I was just mm-hmm. wondering how it was going to work, but knowing that people do that, right. People have kids and they go through corporate. So I was trying to just not think about it too much Yeah, and it became unavoidable. And, and so I was sobbing, they, like people thought I was injured. They coming up to the door and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, so, you know, I couldn't mm. talk. I was just so upset. And then the next day with that package, I'm like, this just doesn't happen. Oh yeah. Next day, even mm-hmm. the very next day. And, and then it was, that was early September. And so my last day was December 23rd and my son was born an exact month later. And like the, when I was in the hospital after giving birth with him, mm-hmm. that's when it was on the news. Like I'm like this in the hospital bed, watching my company being sold made the news. Oh, so they okay. didn't talk about it until after they were just stripping payroll. Like I like to tell the story to accountants who get it, you know, like mm-hmm. yep. they were cutting down on their recurring liabilities right before the year changed, you know? Yep. And mm-hmm. so they were taking people who had been there five years or more because that's going to be the higher salaries. They were mm-hmm. getting ready for a sale. Um, but I was so grateful that I took it. Cause I'm like, if I hadn't, then I would be worrying about my job security. Yeah. Right. Yep. And now I don't have to worry about that. Nope. And, you know, it was a very fortunate position to be in. And I never, ever for a moment lost sight of that. So throughout maternity leave, I was just so keenly aware of like, and I say maternity leave, like the time that it would have been maternity leave. Yes. Like the, for the first 12 sure. weeks after his birth, <laughs> yes. I was thinking in my head, cause I was in shock and survival mode. Like I was not a prepared first mom. I don't know if those exist, but I was not one of them <laughs> if they do. And I was just like an anxious mess and like a hot anxious mess. And then I just kept thinking, I think it was like a loop that I played to talk myself through how hard early motherhood was, was like, mm-hmm. thank God this is it. Like, thank God, this is your, the extent of your stress and that you're not also thinking, how do I go back to work next week? How do I leave this baby that I can't get to stop crying and go back Mm -hmm. to work next week? Like who can I trust with the baby who can, yeah. Oh, how do I leave for that long? Like, and, and, you know, the feeding and the sleeping, like it wasn't under control. And Mm -hmm. so I, yeah, I was always counting down the days and thinking like how much that would have been a significant source of stress for mm-hmm. me. Um, and then, yeah, so it was just, and in those moments, like when I was more so, I'm still am a stay at home mom. Like right now I've got my six and a half year old on the mm-hmm. couch. He's homesick. And my um, three-year-old is napping in the other yeah. room and I have childcare like one day a week. I'm mm-hmm. still a stay at home mom. It's just not my entire headspace now. Um, 
but I was just so grateful for that, like in the beginning. And I really was soaking up that like without those exact circumstances aligning, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been blessed with that. And I didn't lose sight of it. And I was, so every moment was like, I was just so grateful for that opportunity. And then I knew that I didn't want to sacrifice it. Right. Cause I was given such a gift. I didn't want to sacrifice it. So I just wanted to preserve it. And that was what the growth of my bookkeeping business was about, you know, Mm -hmm. and then knowing that I was just talking to one of my um, coaching clients about it. Cause she was asking me about, cause she's in a different scenario. She's got the corporate job. They're not paying her. She's got to make Mm -hmm. the decision on her own. Mm -hmm. Mine was very much being pushed out of a burning building with a parachute and a Mm -hmm. team behind me, you know, like the, like basically the firefighters jumping with me, you know, I, (laughs) I, I wouldn't have gone. I like without that, I think I would have been clinging to the windows. You know, I, I don't know that I would have ever made the decision to leave corporate if those exact things hadn't happened. Mm -hmm. So I just got so passionate though, about like leaving and seeing how possible it was to work so much less and in Mm -hmm. a much more, um, I always talk about autonomy. So like, it's not that like we're not working or that I'm not working. It's not that, you know, it's not hard sometimes or that mm-hmm. there aren't challenges. It's just that it's nothing compared to what like a corporate environment was. No mm-hmm. autonomy, um, much more pressure, much more stress and someone making the decisions for you and you mm-hmm. having that element of stress involved in are my decisions burdening someone, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and man, it's just such a different game. So I didn't know what was possible. And so I would have never left without Mm -hmm. knowing I was forced and then I could see. And, um, so I was, I was kind of talking to her about that and like how I wouldn't have left, but I became so immensely passionate about like shouting that from rooftops. Mm -hmm. Like there actually is another way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what I always like when, when someone's looking to come in this field, like the industry, I don't think people realize how many opportunities there are in our industry mm-hmm. to actually branch out and do something like this, like what you did, like bookkeeping, tax, accounting. It's just, so it's great that you took advantage of that and you were able to transition that from a corporate, was it corporate tax, right? To corporate tax, but yeah. So, so my background is predominantly corporate sales tax for big okay. companies where okay. we were, you know, they had like a lot of other subsidiaries and we were filing thousands of sales tax returns. But Mm -hmm. I also worked, um, so I worked at this company and then I went um, to a CPA firm for like a year and a half through two tax seasons. Mm -hmm. And then my company called me back, uh, promoted me because that's what happens when you leave places, you know? And I loved, I honestly loved both of those jobs. So it's not even about like jobs or bosses. I I felt fortunate with my jobs. Mm -hmm. I felt appreciated as much as you can be in a corporate structured Mm -hmm. setting. Yes. Right. That's a, that's a great Um, way to say it. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's not, I actually was, I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty reminiscent on those like corporate days. Cause I met up with a coworker recently and we were talking about like, just being at work, the fun parts of work. Mm-hmm. And, and aside from the fact that I'll probably never set foot in an environment like that again, by choice, mm-hmm. it's also that COVID has really changed what um, corporate looks like and corporate used to at least have like that camaraderie. Right. Yes. And, yes. and fun. Yes. That, that's missing a little bit now too. Uh, but yeah, I want to, I want to make sure that it's clear. I didn't hate my jobs. And I think that would have made it even harder to leave that. Like I liked the people and you feel that loyalty and things like that. I would have been juggling that balance. And so that decision was made for me. I didn't have to let somebody down. It was very clear. I had to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's hard to exit. And and there's an overwhelming amount of possibility outside. Once you can bust through mm-hmm. not giving a crap about messing it up or being rejected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So what has changed for you? I know you had just had your son, like you were, you didn't have kids before, but what has changed for you personally and professionally since you went from like the corporate world into owning to just running this? I can't think of much that stayed the same. All the things? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking like every part of me changed and it was such a, such a time of transition to go from corporate to not. And I had that time between, right? I had that time between, so it wasn't just trying to take one and replace it with the other. I had time to like, um, Mm -hmm. see what life was, which to be honest, um, I never even had that time. This is something else that we were talking about. Um, but like I started working when I was 15 years old, Mm -hmm. I was applying and getting rejected for jobs earlier than that. I always wanted to work and I always Mm -hmm. wanted to earn. And I was like the kind of high schooler that had two jobs and college student that worked full time and like stuff like that. I, I think my biggest gap before that in employment might've been like a month, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was one, one month and it might've been more like three weeks, the time between like college and my first corporate job, I got my wisdom teeth out. Like (laughs) I I didn't, I didn't do a lot (laughs) of go to Cancun. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I just didn't do a lot of living. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and that's an interesting, this is, I've never said this out loud before. I've never been asked this question and you didn't prepare me for this, but it's an, no, no, no. I like that because then it's more natural, but I'm just saying we didn't rehearse that, that Mm -hmm. I didn't do a lot of living. I did a lot of head down following the rules, hearing what was reasonable, practical, safe, structured, proven, and obviously those are the kind of qualities that make a person like accounting or tax black mm-hmm. and white, right and wrong. Yes yeah. and no. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though tax isn't really like that, but bookkeeping, you know, yeah, yeah, for the most part, like black, white, right, wrong. Right. You know, what's interesting is that those exact skill sets there, they make you a terrible boss. Like they mm. make you a terrible business owner. You've got to break that to actually be able to do well on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you start breaking those structures and when you start, like, I I always picture, like I was walking down a path like this and then I was like, just like, here's the path. Mm -hmm. And then like, I got to the end and I looked up and I was like, this is where we're going. Like I never thought about the end. Oh, that's a great analogy. Yes. It's kind of shocking how you can live like that. Like I shocked myself saying that story. Like it sounds so crazy. Yet a lot of us do that. Like we, Mm -hmm. we are walking on paths, not thinking about what's going to happen when we get there. Yeah. Yep. And, and exactly the opposite is true of like starting your own business because there is no path Mm -hmm. and you just have the, you just have in mind, like, well, if you do it right, you have in mind what you want that to look like. And you have Mm -hmm. to trust that getting there without a path laid before you might cause a couple of twists and turns. And you might Mm -hmm. need to like cut a tree down on the way, but eventually you're going to find your way to where you're going because knowing where you're going is better than following a laid path. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, and you can't forget that either. I think people also forget why they started too. And they probably, they, right. they need to revisit it and, and remember, cause I always say people put their heads down and just work every day and forget yes. about why they started the business or where they actually want their business to go yep. and to take them in life. So ab- absolutely. I obviously couldn't yeah. agree more. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, how, so when you started your bookkeeping business, how did you know, like how to set it up? What did you do? Like, you sort of jumped into, I mean, going from one thing to another, but you worked for public accounting firms too. So you just figured it out or how'd I go? Cause you seem yeah, to be doing really well after six years. I just yeah. figured it out because, and now I, I help teach that, you know, yes, now I've got yes. the systems in place. 
I'm very systems driven. Um, mm-hmm. I like efficiency. And so I like, I didn't mind researching and also kind of putting pieces together to figure mm-hmm. that stuff out, but absolutely from doing it and then going, this doesn't work. So what does, right? Mm-hmm. So my first five clients I got without, uh, without a website, I always say like, is a website nice to have? Definitely. Would I recommend that you have it? Absolutely. Do I? Yes. Do you need it? Mm-mm. Nope. Like, mm-hmm. nope, you don't. You could grow an entire bookkeeping business without it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might bottleneck and have some more administrative tasks if you don't have a good flow in place. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I just got started. And I think um, maybe I'm not afraid of that kind of stuff. Maybe I also had a little like... I, I feel like I didn't have a lot to lose. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, and for the first five, they were coming to me and it's interesting okay. because they came to me because they knew that I was home and they knew that like I had that background. Right. right. But yeah. even the way that I do books is definitely not like my process of bookkeeping was definitely not taught to me in the firm. It was almost like seeing kind of seeing a bunch of different perspectives. Yes. So yes. In the firm, I used QuickBooks desktop. And the way that mm-hmm. we did bookkeeping was very quick and dirty for the purposes of a tax return at the end okay. of the year. We would show the clients the tax return. We would almost never show them their books. No. I don't know that we ever did, right? Mm-hmm. Those were mm-hmm. internal documents almost. Yes, yes. And now- like work papers. I, yeah, so now what I, what I do is um, I do books only. So mm-hmm. I don't do any tax. And- so what I'm doing and the value that I see in bookkeeping and preaching, like genuinely mean from the depths of my soul is that bookkeeping is way more valuable than tax. Tax needs to be done and tax <laughs> can be messed up and tax is important and it's complicated yes. and mm-hmm. people who understand tax should do tax and nobody else. And yes. bookkeepers should defer tax decisions to tax mm-hmm. preparers and know how to have those competent conversations. Like that's mm-hmm. my huge thing. So this is not disparaging against tax at no, all. No, I, I understand what you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but bookkeeping, like tax, has to be done, and it has to be done in a time frame, and it can be messed up when you have books then you get to see like what's happening and that's the value to the business owner. So mm-hmm. what is happening more in real time, adjust and increase profits, show it in a way that makes sense for the business owner, but also helps the tax mm-hmm. preparer so that those books are already done and they can then go into planning and prepping on time. Yes. Yes. Um, that, that's the balance that I like. And I think I saw that gap a little bit at the firm, although I wasn't thinking, I still wasn't quite understanding the value of bookkeeping then. And I definitely mm-hmm. didn't think that it could be a, business and certainly not a business that like my bookkeeping business surpasses my corporate salary by probably close to two times at this point. And I, on the bookkeeping side of things, I might work. I want to be realistic here. So I'm pausing, but like, I honestly want to say that my time on that is 20 hours a month, not a week. Like, and, and so that's insane. And I definitely didn't know that that was possible um, Mm -hmm. when I was working there. But so I got a hint into what is bookkeeping. I understood tax. And then I started to try to be a business owner, right? So I could understand the things that I cared about as I was like trying to do things a different way and then talking to business owners. And I think like a lot of like collaborative stuff and Mm -hmm. then saying, I want this to be efficient. So like learning new systems. So I prefer zero with the type of clients that I'm on. And I just okay. rolled up my sleeves and, and learned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. You said that about tax. Cause when we have a prospect come to us, like, what do they usually say? I need tax. Like my tax return. Done. And I said, well, actually the tax return is just the end product. 
of everything in between. And bookkeeping is like essential because then you can give advisory. You can, you can actually help them with their business. Obviously tax planning is very important too. And you need books up to date for that. Right. You can't get anywhere near tax planning if you're still working in the year prior, which is what I started seeing. Like everyone's coming in September to talk about last year. Like if you don't know what happened last year, how are you running this year? And then the thing that I couldn't stand the most and honestly, it's still just, a, it's a, I don't know, I guess I've gotten to, to see that this is how a lot of business owners run in a lot of scenarios, mm-hmm. even when we're doing our best to help them. But like the cash flow of not having taxes for last year, and then my brain going like, oh my gosh, you're drowning in a, in a sea of tax debt. Because yeah. if you don't have enough to pay t- last year, and we're in September or October, you haven't saved anything for this year. And it's a, it's a horrifying thought. And that's where I started to think, like I think somebody, I did somebody's tax returns. So there's like obviously pieces missing of this story, but I did somebody's very simple tax return at home at some point before I was doing the bookkeeping. Cause I was like okay. trying to help her. And then I'm in there and I'm like, when I put it all in, okay, she made, you know, 50 grand of profit. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the tax dollars. I don't even want to make them up, but whatever mm-hmm. she owed, she didn't have. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how she got that paid. Like maybe a friend or family member paid it, but I was thinking, how do you even make enough to get yourself out of that debt? Like it's going to make sense, more sense for her to go, and, cycle. Yeah, to go and get a job to supplement the business taxes from the profit that she made and spent and wasn't prepared for. And mm-hmm. that honestly, from that moment, and it wasn't just her, but it, like it was a few times of, of that. I'm going, people need help. They need to hear this stuff early. And yes. so like my, my original message was spread the things you need to know before getting into business on a very base level and mm-hmm. then let other people do the work. Like mm-hmm. ref- tell them why it's important to hire these people. And then finally I was like, I can just do the books, you know, I'll just do it. <laughs> just let I'll me do it. Help. I'll just yeah. get help. Right. And yeah. we'll just work yeah. on efficient processes. And one of the things that I think that I do the best in, in my business is like help guide the client to have good systems. So yes. we change their upfront systems so that we can work more efficiently and give them better data and have fewer, like less room for uh, clerical mistakes and the flow makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I make sure that my clients are trainable. And I vet that on the calls. I, okay. I guide those things. I'm sorry. Jake looks like he just showed up. He gave up on that internet. Um, so what do you, like, what does your business model look like your business model? And then I want to talk about how you help other accountants. So you do, you offer bookkeeping. What does that look yeah. like? Yeah. Monthly bookkeeping for the most part. I have a couple quarterly clients. I keep those offers in my back pocket. I also Mm -hmm. have a couple CFO clients. Those are back pocket offers. I like to focus on monthly bookkeeping. If we get to the point where we're having a conversation about that and you're really a fit for something lower or higher, we adjust, you know, but I focus on monthly bookkeeping. I focus on predominantly though I'll make an exception here and there. Um, solopreneurs. Um, so they can be S corps or LLCs, us based mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. the most part service-based. So I'm, I'm obviously, I know sales tax from what we just mentioned, but I don't really want to play with it too much. Um, and I want to make sure that if we're doing sales tax, we have a system that's managed. Yeah. If they're doing lots of e-commerce, I'm not going to take that client. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Not today, mm-hmm. at least. I totally, I, I totally maybe, get that. Yeah. But maybe when the kids get older, you might see me doing more of that because it's just yeah. such a gap. I just need the, I would need is. the time to figure out the right systems to put people through and say, if you are this type of client, I'll hook you up on these systems and we'll go mm-hmm. through that. I don't have the time to do the research and the trial no. and error of that no. right now. So for the most part, I laser focus in on that. I um, sell a DIY template that for the most part, I sell through affiliate partnerships with sometimes a lot of my clients. Um, okay. And 
And then I have very part-time staff. Three out of four of those people worked with me at corporate. So I thought of them and called them. Um, They're all to work corporate still. And they just do like a few of my clients. Mm -hmm. So they started with me early and they've just been with me with those few clients. Another one is more like right-hand person. She is predominantly a stay-at-home mom, but like Mm -hmm. gets her work done in the first couple of weeks. And that's how we operate. Like, so we, we start about the third day of the month. We finish by the 15th. Yeah. And, um, we just help guide our clients through actually getting that stuff. And, and we hit that target most of the time. So I think, yeah. um, that that's, that's mostly it. So the, the bookkeeping and give them those reports and have those conversations, make sure that they know, you know, what it's saying. We give a recap in an email mm-hmm. that helps them. Cause I assume they're not going to open it. Um, <laughs> and then we make sure that they're working with tax preparers too. Yes. You know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So do you partner with, um, like tax firms, they refer you for bookkeeping or is it just sort of who comes to you? And yeah, it's more that I, that I refer out if they don't already have someone. So those are just relationship based things where, um, I know some tax preparers and if the client doesn't have a tax preparer and they need a referral, I'll make a connection, Mm -hmm. but no like money exchanged on that. Um, I want to stay out of that really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Like I want them to yeah. make their own decision on that. And I did at some points have CPAs referring to me, but for the most part, I found that like they, I'm, I'm really pretty selective with the type of client that I'll take good. and just knowing, yeah. And knowing that they are going to be trainable and you know, the workload mm-hmm. is something that kind of fits within that typical box for us. Yeah. Otherwise I'll, I'll refer out. So I refer out like lawyers, um, always, I don't take lawyers on as clients and uh, I don't want to deal with the stress <laughs> and, <laughs> <We don't either. laughs> <right>? and e-commerce. <laughs> I don't take or nonprofits. Mm-hmm. I think those are very oh. specialized, That's, but yep. outside yes. of that, yeah, outside of that, I'll, I'll take some partnerships and stuff as long as, um, it's all manageable. Mm-hmm. So if, um, if there's accounting firm listening, listeners, oh, um, oh my God, accounting firm owners listening, a lot of them are heavy tax. What do you think they're missing out on by not offering? Or like, even if they're doing, like I get the books in November, oh my God, I have to do year in planning and I'm catching everything up for the year. Like, what are they missing out on, do you think, by not offering bookkeeping services on a monthly basis mm-hmm. to their clients? Um, kind of a lot. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm so glad that there are so many tax preparers. So I, I don't want to push them out. <laughs> I think really, <laughs> really great tax preparers should stay really great tax preparers. But I do know like some tax preparers who will only do tax returns at this point for people who have the books done by them. Yes. And I would, I would want to work with somebody more on a regular basis if I were going to offer tax for lots of reasons. Um, monthly recurring revenue for you. If we want to talk just about you, perpetual monthly recurring revenue is like my favorite thing about bookkeeping. I use a Ferris wheel analogy of we slowly build up that Ferris wheel and then everybody like rides along with the music until they're ready to get off. At which point one person gets off, maybe to go to the bathroom and another one's like in line already. And they, they hop in. Once you build that base up, it Mm -hmm. kind of feeds itself. And, and, um, it's really nice and steady like that. So throughout the year, you've got the same level of workload for the most part. Of yep. course, I'm a little bit busier in December. And of course, I'm a little bit busier in January. But I start year-end kind of reviewing in November. Yes. Um, thank God I did last year because you said your sister has COVID. Well, I got it and so did my bookkeeper in January. So uh, we got started in November. Everybody thank got God. it in January last year. Yes, I the think. whole yes. world did. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we managed, you know, because we started so early. So being able to keep tabs on knowing what your workload is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's good for your cash flow. It's also good for your clients though. Mm -hmm. Like when they can pay you monthly instead of some big, scary bill at the end of the year. And when they're getting that consistent value, if you want to look outside of just what's good for you, it's also good for the client with that. Mm -hmm. And I love fixed monthly billing, especially when you understand the scope of the project and you will understand that. And that's why I take like kind of a niche group. It's not terribly niche, but a niche type of clientele because I know what systems that takes and I can very reasonably estimate Mm -hmm. that where I go wrong sometimes. And it's not even wrong because I really don't care that much about the um, original setup. And I have different ways of making that more efficient sometimes just to get the numbers right. But in the setup, um, I'll, I'll eat time sometimes too, because I know I'm going to recoup it um, Mm -hmm. at the end. So Mm -hmm. I focus more on more on what's, like a reasonable price for the client. And then they know what that price is and they can budget for it. And, and when you get into the books, like we all know this clients spend a lot more money on a lot more frivolous things than us. (laughs) So we can remind ourselves we're in a very sweet spot under the radar and we're giving a lot of value. Mm -hmm. And so I like to, I, but if I were to manage both, I would be making sure that the bookkeeping was always running and not getting neglected, which is very easy to neglect when you're operating with the IRS and tax, like it's been in the last like forever, but especially the last few years, of -hmm. course, that's hard. So I would probably either manage that by making sure that I'm up to speed with my clients all year, which is a benefit of doing their books. You're in there regularly. You can make sure that they've been saving appropriately. Quarterly check-ins, I would imagine are a lot more simple. You'll see when they're hiring people versus seeing it, you know, in in April after the year is over. You can get a good process in place for 1099s, switch them over to a payroll processor if it needs to be done. So you're catching stuff throughout the year instead of Mm -hmm. scrambling in cleanup mode at the end. I would think, and this is purely an assumption and I could be wrong, but I would think that the regular maintenance of that would even out to like close to the same amount of time for the entire year. And so you're able to all spread that out and not go into a season of like feast and famine and, yeah. and clean, clean, and then forget, you know, clean and mm-hmm. then neglect. And so I think like the firm that I was at, we should have prioritized bookkeeping a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and just had that, that thought of like, this is not a churn and burn thing. Mm-hmm. This is, Really, I think another thing that I see accountants kind of undervalue what they're doing and maybe also partially not understand how much people need the help and the consistent help. Like you think they're okay and they know and they don't. It is shocking Mm -hmm. how much they don't know what they made, spent, have, owe. Like they don't know. Even month over month, you're going to get closer to seeing that. Um, like you're going to be able to help your client mm-hmm. get a little bit into a different rhythm, a different way of thinking than you have, but they yeah. need help. And, yeah. and here's the thing too, like, I think sometimes accountants can get in and look at clients financials and say, this business is not going to last, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is a thing I never say to clients, but like, I think accountants go, why am I even going to spend any time on this? I can't even quote them this. They can't pay this. They, mm-hmm. they, this isn't valuable to them. And they're just going to be out of business tomorrow anyway. And what I see business owners do is like never give up. Mm-hmm. Never. never. Instead of giving up, they go deeper and deeper and deeper into debt 
Um, usually like sometimes through the business passed through to them personally, that can create issues if they're an S corp and they don't know if they don't have a tax preparer. And if you start to think about like, like how much they need your help and how Mm -hmm. much they're not going to quit and like, just figure out a way that like, all right, maybe I do just price it appropriately. Mm -hmm. And if they don't pay an appropriate price, then you know, I focus on the next person who will. And this person, mm-hmm. if they won't pay an appropriate price and they're not going to value this, they will continue to operate as a hot mess. They may get audited. They may get in trouble, but I can't save everybody no. either. They have mm-hmm. to come up and meet me in the middle and fix their processes and be willing to pay. And I charge an appropriate thing and we're super efficient, but we all work together well to help you as best we can without taking on the responsibility understand what you're making, um, Mm -hmm. and do a better job. And also then if you're working with them regularly, you can also talk through the things of, and you don't even have to show them this stuff, but just talk through the concept of, I like to back into what they need to make. I don't like to look at financials and say what they can pay themselves. I want to go backwards and say, what do you need to make? And how can we, how can we back that up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do we then need in expenses? What do we then need in profit? What do we then need to set aside for taxes? And how do we get to the point where we know the sales and the kind of costs involved? And that's never going to be accurate, but it'll be a way to think that they haven't thought of. It's like setting goals without like setting goals, I guess too. It's like, right. Like let's get more proactive and less reactive. And I think bookkeeping by that, like same thought process, bookkeeping is more proactive. And mm-hmm. tax is more reactive. reactive. It's like, well, this already yes. happened. Now, what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always, I always say accountants are the best position to help business owners. And the only, like, obviously, like tax planning, you can like true comprehensive, but doing the books, you are there. You're, you are the best person to help that client out with that business. And I, I don't think accountants. Oh, it's Jake. <laughs> I don't think accountants give themselves enough credit. That and recognize that that I am in this awesome position to help business owners out, and the best way to do that is to have their hands in their books monthly. To get yes, advice. and and I so I used to always think those things like oh they're not going to pay for this oh they're budget conscious oh they're you know not making enough um, and oh they must know this right even after a couple of tax seasons I just assumed and maybe also like the clients that we had at that firm maybe just because they were there made them a di- slightly different breed. Like they were able to do things that I don't recommend for my clients, even though they can be done, right? Mm -hmm. End of the year payroll. Yes, it can be done. Yes, you can, you know, get all the same amount in, but like your client has to have the money to pay the tax Mm -hmm. at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. And most of mine would not, right? Mm -hmm. So we do monthly payroll, even for S-Corp owners, mostly to pay in the tax for cash flow. Yes. Cash flow purposes, but also because that's a way more efficient process, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, like ADP or Gusto cost a little bit of something. And yes, your your payroll fee at the end of the year might be lower than the cost of those platforms um, throughout the entire year, maybe. Yeah. But like, is it going to be accurate? Is it going to get done? And are they going to have the cash on hand, yeah. right? Yeah. And and for you, again, spreading out the workload, like mm-hmm. then you don't have this whole year end catch up. And, and does that really serve your client? Does that model really serve your client? And, and I guess who is that serving and a full, if it is that full Mm -hmm. end of the year rush of just like taking everyone, you know, no, right. Yeah. We used to, um, in our firm, it was, it was not as it was traditional, not as traditional. We always had business clients and we did their, we did their bookkeeping, but we would always put on the back burner taxis, right? Always. 
And that was our biggest goal in the past five years was to not put in the background because that's not helping anybody. First of all, they've also signed up for monthly services, you know, so you, yes, I think it's, I actually think it's more important than tax. So that's my opinion, but, um, okay. So if someone wants to go into like, if, if they want to go start a bookkeeping, you know, aspect of their business or start one from scratch, what do you think they should do? <laughs> know how to do it efficiently. Yeah. Okay. Processes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm talking about the actual books. Work. Mm-hmm. So like, like, um, obviously if you're doing taxes, you understand all of what's happening, which is mm-hmm. such a really great perspective to be in mm-hmm. when you're getting into books to deeply understand how the money is moving, but how are you physically going to connect it and move it? How are you mm-hmm. going to get it into the software, um, on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I think just having those systems in place and not the same systems that I was talking about at first with like you know, lead forms, websites and stuff like that. But like, mm-hmm. what's, what tech stack are you going to use? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. which platform connects best with this and that, right? Yeah. I, I'm a big zero fan. Okay. I were actually, I'm, I'm really interested to hear you say that. Cause I've wanted to, I've seen zero demos and stuff like that at conferences. And I just, I cannot stand into it. Um, so yeah. we mm-hmm. are not sponsored by into it. Um, <laughs> that is for sure. That is yeah. for sure. But, um, yeah. So how do you, um, actually one more question. What mistakes did you make? Do you think doing this or, and like anything that you'd say don't do? Oh, lots. Mistakes are the biggest, best thing actually that happened. Yeah. Like, so I think for the, one of the best things that I did was make mistakes and Mm -hmm. one of, so, and of the mistakes, lots of things. Um, I was really cheap in the way that I got paid at first. So that was like an administrative nightmare. Um, So another thing about like monthly billing is you can do that auto pay. All my clients are on auto pay. Mm -hmm. They pay me through Stripe. I pay the 3%. So happily, I'm like, you're the best assistant ever. Thank you. Take my 3%. (laughs) And I just factor it into my cost. So like being cheap on my billing so that I was chasing down invoices. Mm. Absolutely. the Probably Mm -hmm. the worst thing that I ever did. And so Mm -hmm. I would say like, absolutely get your clients paying you upfront and paying you monthly recurring auto pay for both of you. I cannot stand when I have to do a physical, like manual process to pay anyone. And I do it for lots of people, you know, like uh-huh. my lawn guy, I just had to, and I'm like, Oh man, he's here. I oh, the lawn guy. guys, the lawn guys. I'm like, can I you just that. collect our stuff automatically, please? please put me on auto pay. <sighs> and then even with like the, the pool guy, I get an invoice through through QuickBooks, but then mm-hmm. he doesn't allow payment through there because he no. probably doesn't want the fee. So then I have to remember to copy and go over to Zelle and I do it. And, you know, I do it, but I don't like to. And it's, I have two speeds on that. And so I assume my clients are exactly the same immediately or next week. And then if you don't have a process in p- place for auto pay, then you have to make sure that you're managing like accounts receivable and harassing Ugh. your clients who want to pay you. They just want to pay you easily. They don't want to yes. have to do that in the middle of the 6,000 things they're doing. So yeah. take that off their plate and go to auto pay for the best interest of everybody. That was probably one of the biggest mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, A lot of people and, make that mistake, I think. Yeah, and, and I think t- number two would be getting help uh, later than I should have because that was when everything changed for me. So I have bookkeepers on my team And, you know, my favorite role within that right now is a bookkeeper assistant. So I like to like do more of the books than I used to do. I'm doing all of the reconciling and everything, but then she's pulling statements and she's compiling, she's printing the reports and you know, like I'm always adding income and expense categories because that's one of the things that I really like to show them. Where is their money coming from? And my clients like to come up with a new product every month. 
God mm-hmm. bless them. And I'm okay with that. But like I add that in and then the way that we show it on the report, I just want it being clicked and dragged into the right category. Yeah. So that's the process that I don't like is looking at it from that lens later. So my uh, bookkeeper assistant will go in. I'll tell her these reports are ready. She reviews it with her eyes, adds the appropriate columns so that we're showing every month, you know, and makes sure they're sorted right, prints it to PDF. And then she does those recap emails that we send to our clients mm-hmm. that just translated into simple English. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did that a few months ago. So that's my favorite hire. Cause then you don't even have to worry about is somebody messing up the data, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I took my time in the beginning with training the three bookkeepers that I have that do client work. Um, and I delayed on that for too long because I didn't want to take the time to properly train. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't do it too, too long where I wasn't able to undo that. But I always tell people get help before you feel like you're ready for help because it snowballs quickly. And then you're way too busy to get help and you stay in that like chaos. And actually, if you don't get control over that quickly, that leads to messing up on your clients and your clients are your absolute biggest asset. So like, if you want to grow your bookkeeping business, or add that arm and have it be successful, you have to do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. (laughs) And you have to do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's no extension itself. on bookkeeping. You can't file yeah. an extension for bookkeeping. Yeah. And you got to do it well and you can't give them yeah. garbage, you know? And so like, if you're burnt out and, and running through the wire or getting it to them late and not doing what you said, well, yeah, they're going to leave them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're hurting them and you're hurting yourself. So yeah. I think just getting help before you're ready, especially if you see a longer term vision, what does that look like? How many clients do you want? So are you going to be able to do that? If not, like just start getting help right away and don't feel like, um, I also felt like I needed to have enough work to bring somebody in. And that's just not true. No, that's not true. So I have candid conversations with my staff about what their capacity is. They know Mm -hmm. that they can come to me if it's going up or down, which is why they don't all have the same workload. Um, And, and I'll adjust as needed, right. Mm -hmm. We'll add more Mm -hmm. if they want more work and we'll take it away if they want less. Yeah. So how do you help other accountants or other in bookkeeping people start bookkeeping companies and adding bookkeeping to their what they do. Yeah. I, I'm assuming I, well, your processes too. Yes. 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 Although I am much more feely. So like one of the things about the processes is I'm going to tell you things and, but then I want you to choose the one that's right for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like think through things because it's not, it's not a copy and paste thing next to nothing is, even though we like our little formulas and everything, it just doesn't really work that way because there's a lot of different ways to do things and things that come naturally and are fun to other people in your process, right? That's not mm-hmm. necessarily needed, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can find different ways of doing it. So I, I like to I like to walk you through which one's right for you. Um, mm-hmm. But I mainly, I have two signature programs and I have Become a Bookkeeper, which teaches the technical skill, teaches and hones the technical skill and makes you efficient at what you do. Because lately my, my message has been leaning harder and harder towards this technical skill of bookkeeping because it's actually so much easier to do everything when you're really good at what you do and you're efficient. That's like point one. Okay. But that was actually the second program that I created. Oh, <laughs> and okay. So the, the other one, because I could see the need, right? Cause yes. I, and, and because I had the time to do something that heady. Um, but the, the other one I consider like step two, which is take that technical skill and turn it into a business. And they're mm-hmm. very different skill sets. One mm-hmm. is, one is, uh, what I call the hard skills. And the other one is the soft skills mm-hmm. and the soft skills can be learned. And if you already would consider yourself like a 10 out of 10 on bookkeeping, then it's easy. 
I want to say it's easy. I'm going to like sugarcoat that with like an asterisk easier than you think, you know, to, to turn that into a bookkeeping business, especially when you'll do like the things that I said and put yourself out there and be okay, like facing some rejection or something. But if you've got clients who already are asking for it, it's probably going to be easy to add Mm -hmm. that on. Um, And you may not even like need that if you've already got the sales and stuff under control, although, and that, so that second program is called life by the books. And I call it, I call it that, uh, because at first it was booked out bookkeeper. And then I decided that even though that has great alliteration and Mm -hmm. and it's fun and I called it Bob and I call the other one bad, (laughs) I like names. I I had to kill it at some point. That's great. Oh, you had to kill Bob. Yeah, Bob. Well, Bob, actually, I have a whole series about that on my podcast, but Bob just retired, you know, and we loved Bob a lot. And then Bob was like, I just want to live yeah. off the grid. And so he got replaced by Libby, Life by the Books. Okay. Um, and the premise of that is it's all the same stuff, but with a very different energy because Booked Out is a hard push and a bottleneck and a capacity and a go, go, go mentality. Okay. And what I actually like love the most about bookkeeping and what I will not sacrifice is like the life that it's meant to create. Yeah. So, yeah. so like for me, I'll just give a little anecdote with that, which is like, when I knew I wanted to go all in on my bookkeeping business, I also knew that the thing that I wanted it for was to enhance and protect my motherhood. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't sacrifice time with my kids to build a bookkeeping business that was supposed to give me time with my kids. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. So I had to protect and build it differently. Right. Mm -hmm. And so systems and efficiencies are, and support are extremely important in actually not just making money, but living life the way that you want it to. So life yeah. by the books is it's a course because I have a whole framework and all of the things that I'll walk you through intentionally designing your business, um, setting up the systems, getting yourself in front of clients, uh, mm-hmm. signing them through sales, serving them well and getting support in your business okay. is what I walk through there. And then it's also a month to month membership. So mm-hmm. you can cancel that at any time, but that has support and community involved, which is okay. awesome. Um, and yeah, you, like if someone's interested, they can go to the podcast and learn more. I think you have links to we're gonna, that. Yeah, we're going to link it. Yeah, go and link more. So I don't talk too much about that. The other one is um, Babs, Become a Bookkeeper. And it it was designed to help somebody who doesn't like know, learn the skill mm-hmm. of bookkeeping mm-hmm. ground up. So I go through a textbook, which actually accountants love more than you would think. Um, they love that refresher. <laughs> It mm-hmm. busts imposter syndrome. And what I do there is because I'm like, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel and think about how to introduce debits and credits, right? Like I didn't yeah. invent that. So I found a good textbook to walk through. And then I do recaps of how it relates to bookkeeping. So mm-hmm. this is probably something that your your audience, given that they already have tax, would be able to just go through like the review and say, yeah, oh, yeah good. I'm good on that. Um, but it needs to be included in the program. And then I talk about um, tax basics because I think bookkeepers need to be able to have those conversations, but defer Mm -hmm. to the tax preparers. So I cover Mm -hmm. those things and then complexities to learn or avoid payroll tax, sales tax. And then I go over the bookkeeping process. The part that even CPAs purchase, because like 145 people have bought this program right at this point. And Mm -hmm. I'm doing a really big push towards Babs right now, because even though I designed it intending to sell this to people that didn't have the background, what happened, because it's, it's been in existence for two years now, what happened is even people with established bookkeeping businesses would buy mm-hmm. it to learn the way that I'm doing bookkeeping. Yes. So the system. first, yes. And, and, and also like just learn a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it has three phases. And the first is learn, which I just talked about. The second is shadow where I take a real client 
um, we hop on Zoom, I connect her to Zero. we talk through her account, I link everything up, and then I do a 2020 catch up from January to December, the entire thing, broken down into each little element. So like historic data, connecting this, bringing this over, reconciling to that, um, tying to the tax return and all of those things, but like using the software, creating the rules. Um, what linking are we doing? Why? How are we getting Stripe into zero? Um, mm-hmm. Correctly. PayPal yeah. into zero correctly. Um, and so there's that shadow as if they're watching me work. Um, and then I do the next month of bookkeeping because like you'll do a setup and then the monthly process is different than the setup. Yeah. So I'm showing those yeah. kind of separately. Those are that's about 10 hours of bookkeeping, um, which you know, who wants to watch that really? Freaking love people that. do. They yeah, I love it. Are people using it for training their employees? So this is like somebody just bought it for that. And she talked to me about it. And it's somebody that also mentors bookkeepers. So like, she just doesn't want to take the time, but I am looking mm-hmm. into like a multi-licensed thing like that. So, cause, cause it has assessments. So it's a, and let me just finish with the third step. Yeah. And then oh, I'll yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. Sorry, 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 um, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So learn shadow where they're watching it. 10 hours of bookkeeping. But what mm-hmm. I like to say about that is I did a 2020 cleanup and a month of bookkeeping in 10 hours while telling you what I'm doing. Right. So there's right. that element of it. So that means that we can do that pretty quickly and efficiently, right? And mm-hmm, still mm-hmm. accurately. Mm-hmm. And then in the third section, because that was all it was supposed to be. But when I got done, I was like, no, that was a lot, actually. And she was not a perfect client. Like, so that makes her a very typical client. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm, I need to make sure that if I'm going to create this thing that, especially because I was creating it for people who like, I, it, the thought process was they didn't have the background. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure they know what they're doing. So there's a practicum. And that third section is apply. I made. I took real data, I manipulated it, made it safe, and they get real uh, mock statements, mock statements, real data that they can import into zero and do the work and then test it by like they run a PL and a balance sheet at the end, plug it into an assessment. Then there's like things that happen where it's automated. So there's you're being graded before you move on, you're checking off stuff, it's got resources, like an actual workbook um, that you can print and refer back to. This is an ugly one. Um, I'm printing a double-sided copy and it's digital and it'll have the option to purchase a physical one okay. soon. Yeah. Um, very soon they're, they're shipping, but like I got, uh, sc- screenshots and resources and start dates oh. and all of that stuff in here. So yeah. the point I, I really thought about how I could create something because it was being asked of me and how I could stand behind it. Um, so it's a really well done self-paced program where you will feel like you're with someone. And if you have questions, they're broken apart into like lessons you can ask. I will answer on the thread. You'll also be able to see everyone else's history. Okay. Um, and so multi, multi-license stuff, like, cause what she was saying is she would want to be able to track that progress for her team. See yeah. where did the person go through make sure they completed it, see what their results were and stuff like that. So I'm, I've just got to go in and look at multi-license and see what that takes. Um, in Kajabi? I, think it can be done. Mm-hmm. I can actually, we looked into it too. It's, yeah. you have to sign up every person individually. Uh, but they don't, you know, they can't do like a team approach. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. But yeah. They said they're adding it. They're getting they're It's like a beta and they're trying to like, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And I might come up with some sort of a hack. Yeah. You know, I'll look, mm-hmm. I'll look Let me know if you do. Think about. Yeah. Cause I could probably, I don't imagine that that's going to be grand scale. So like yeah. I could probably just say the person could probably reach out and say, I want another user and I could come up with that, what that price would be yes. and then give them a special offer yes. for it with an, you know, and they can sign up. That's so exactly what like, we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll probably do something like behind the scenes instead of like a 
actual multi-user. But yeah, yeah. That, and but what I will say about that is that this course was definitely designed with the thought process, you're going to own your business, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't teach them how to own their business. So like you're not giving them all of that, but I'm sure that I talk about like your clients. I'll, yeah. I wanted to go through and listen to it from that lens and think, would I want to put my staff through that staff based that. on the mm-hmm. messaging, right? Yeah. But I'm going to comb through it because this is now the second time I've been asked in a week about that. And that I usually. Well, I feel yeah. like that's a, a great listening. opportunity. That's a great opportunity for I'm always looking for training. It's like, how do you find payroll training? You know, bookkeeping training would yes. be great. Yes. And so the payroll that I do is not to teach them how to run it, but to mm-hmm. teach them how to properly code it and what is in it. Right. Okay. So like you don't take payroll and dump it all at payroll we like payroll expense, like you see bookkeepers do, you know, you, you, this is the other topic. Like we could probably talk about at depth, but I'm going to be talking a lot about why bookkeepers feel like, um, tax preparers hate them. <laughs> I'm talking about that a lot because I'm not afraid to say, this is what I've said. I'll give you the snippet. And then I'm going to do like a whole thing on my podcast is like, if you feel like tax preparers think that you're the idiot bookkeeper, like first of all, give them grace based on everything they're dealing with. But second of all, they're data-driven people and the data supports that most bookkeepers do a terrible job. And that's mm-hmm. an opportunity for you to yeah. not take it personally, but to not do a terrible job. And then guess mm-hmm. what? You're going to stand out. So, <laughs> and so if you're, if, am I right though? And no, you're totally right. It's, it's true. It's both, it's both sides of it that I've lived where I can say, I know that it's not a fun feeling to be the lowly bookkeeper to the busy tax preparer who mm-hmm. thinks you're an idiot. But mm-hmm. if you just keep it professional and make it mean nothing about you and just do your work and respect their time and be concise and do a good job, yeah. you're going to be the person they're referring clients to soon. Yeah, yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. You can't hide your skill set in bookkeeping. Like it's, it's going to stand yeah. out good yeah. or bad. Those two things were the things that I always checked. Like when I was mm-hmm. doing taxes, I would always go in and I would like, look, is this tied out to last year's tax return? Never. Mm-hmm. And um, how's payroll? And we were always fixing those <laughs> two things. And even though I still Loans. assume the tax preparer yeah. is going to do that. Right. Yeah. Good point. Even though I assume that the tax preparer is still going to do that, mm-hmm. like why not do the whole job, you know? And yeah. so, so yeah, I'm not teaching the entire depth of payroll but I'm definitely teaching what happens. And, and yes. um, I did hers. I don't think Chris had a 401k, but she had ADP and like, we're, we're breaking out payroll taxes, payables mm-hmm, and things like mm-hmm. that. And I've got, um, I've got a, a template that helps them plug that in so that it'll put it in the right spots. And I made it for ADP gusto and paychecks mm-hmm. um, so that it can be properly coded. Cause I actually like to steer clear from teaching the automation. I want to teach the, how, how to does do this it work. Yes. How Understand the concept. What's happening behind the scenes. Yes. And so that's yes. why I didn't. And also the automation will probably change, but mm-hmm. the where stuff should go is not going to change. So no. that's, that's the way that I teach um, payroll. And with sales tax, I cover the complexities and like, because I'd say this is a, this is a program for us-based solopreneurs, service-based, us-based, service-based solopreneurs. Mm-hmm. Why? Because if you don't already know bookkeeping and you don't already know tax, you're going to mess up everything else. And so then I created that lesson that's like the complexities to learn or avoid. And that includes multiple owners, um, sales tax, and inventory. Mm-hmm. This is cool. Well, that's great. Okay. So, oh, look at that. We're right at almost right at an hour. So do you have any last words for, I mean, yeah, most of them are treasure 
traditional accounting firm owners. Um, I would love everybody to, you know, offer bookkeeping or even bookkeeping. Like I had, there's a guy on here right now. He only does bookkeeping and advisory. I just talked to him this morning too. So just any last words, just advice or. Um, I don't have any, no, but if there's que- like, not, yeah, no, not like that, but I would, mm-hmm. what I would say is, um, just like wrapping it up. I'm going to add a button to this um, page soon because I've been polling students, why they joined, um, yeah. and what they thought of the program talking about Babs, mm-hmm. um, and even CPAs join just to learn the efficiencies, just to learn the software mm-hmm. and look it. Even mm-hmm. like I get messages at literally 1 a.m. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, the this portion. And I'm like, okay, like huh. I like it. And I think I did a good job, but like I'm still a little bit surprised that people enjoy <laughs> watching this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and all levels. So it's good for the people that are learning it from the ground up. It's good for the the refresh. It's good if you have imposter syndrome around it. And it's mm-hmm. good for learning the systems and then getting to play with it in the okay. practicum. All right, cool. Um, and you did say that you had some, I didn't, of course, print that out. Um, if they wanted to find you, where can they go? We're going to link it in the notes, obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, Instagram at Orderly Accounting by Katie, if you're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, my podcast is Profits Plus Prosecco the podcast. It's on um, all of them. You can find uh, all of them being the big ones. You can find that at katiefarrow.com slash podcast also. Um, uh, Those are the biggest. I have a Facebook group called um, the bookkeepers corner also. Okay. Oh, cool. Are you in Florida? Yes. Where? Uh, Hollywood. Oh, okay. I live in Vero beach. Oh, cool. Yeah, I like randomly saw on your Facebook page. And I was like, she's a lot of Florida stuff in there. So stop, but you stop said talking wicked. about Florida. Stop talking about Florida. There's enough people moving here. I said, oh, we're from Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, I heard wicked in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said wicked. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, we're from Massachusetts. I was born in Florida, mm-hmm. though, so it counts. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh- <laughs> yeah, that's wicked cool. <laughs> it is wicked cool, right? It's super cool. <laughs> All right, great. Well, I really appreciate this. Me um, too. Yeah, yeah, this is fun. All right, well, thank you very much. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah, we'll chat soon. Bye, Katie. Right. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye.